quick question. Just a show of hands. Anybody here get poison ivy, poison oak, or any of those other poisony things with funny-looking leaves that irritate you really, really bad? Anybody get any of it this season yet? Yeah, I've seen some of you. I, man, I feel bad for you. It starts out a little red and splotchy, and you, you scratch it, and the next thing you know, it's, it's all over your body. You're itching and scratching, and everybody has an, an ointment or a, a remedy for it, you know? Try this. Uh, try this. Try this. And none of it works. It just it runs its course, and nothing really brings relief. I have to say, so far in my life, I'm one of those blessed people who has never had an issue with poison ivy or any of its close friends. And I'm like, that's awesome, because <laughs> I saw some of you <laughs> this summer. <laughs> didn't look natural. <laughs> I actually worked for a family in Florida. Uh, I was going through Bible college. They owned a landscape company, and the whole family was allergic to poison ivy. I mean, like, they were bad allergic. Like, they were turned colors, and these guys were like EpiPen allergic to poison ivy. It was bad news. And when the dad found out that I wasn't allergic to poison ivy, he took me over to one of the customer's houses, and they had a whole line of shrubs <laughs> that had poison ivy growing in them. He, he gave me, he said, I'm going to give you hazard pay. You just weed this out and just get all in there, weed it all out. The house also had, had an outdoor shower uh, by the pool, an actual like enclosed outdoor shower. And so he was so allergic when I was done, I had to take a shower um, with like this hospital soap that they give you a little blue bottle. I forgot what it's called. I had to take a shower with that, hair and everything, bag up my clothes in a couple of bags, throw them in the back of the truck so that he wouldn't get poison ivy just because it was on my clothes or because it was on me. Uh, you know, if only it were that easy uh, to get rid of the poison ivy of envy. Just, just wash it off with some of that soap they give you from the hospital. That'd be awesome. You just wouldn't have it. And, and it wouldn't get on you and it wouldn't get on the people around you if it was only that easy. We've got to start off and, and, and really ask some questions, though. What exactly is envy? I mean, just what is it? How is it different from some of the other things that we go through? Like maybe, I think, I think envy has a twin. I call it jealousy. They always kind of seem to go together. You know, envy is the more sophisticated of the two, if you will. Um, it, it is a resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another. That's an official definition for envy. A resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another. Uh, it's also accompanied by a strong desire to possess that advantage. See, uh, I like your shirt. I want it. I'm going to be envious of your shirt. Envy wants to have what somebody else possesses. Jealousy, on the other hand, wants to possess what it already has. Do you understand that? Because we've got we to separate those. Jealousy wants to possess what it already has. Envy wants what it doesn't have. It wants what somebody else already has. You see, the thing is... Envy is, 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 is this sneaky and, and subtle kind of thing. And jealousy just kind of clutches and smothers and wraps you all up. Envy is, is always reaching and longing. It, it's looking to the distance. It's squinting. What, what do they have that I don't have? And why do they get it and I don't get to have it? That, that's what envy does. Always thinking and saying sinister things. Maybe not out loud. Maybe just in your mind. Have you experienced this in your life? Don't, don't raise your hand. Of course you have. I'll answer that for all of us. Yes. Yes, you have. We all have. Your minister has never suffered with envy. 
man, you guys act like you know me or something. Anybody have a motorcycle? You have a motorcycle? I envy you. Uh, Mitzi said I shouldn't have sold my last one, but it was for a good cause, so it's okay. Uh, I'm not going to steal it, but I like to see that you have a motorcycle. <laughs> we all go through envy. I remember one time, and this, this is one of those, just as you're writing things and you're, you're thinking this through, back before cell phones were popular, um, they came in bags. Right? Date some of you. If you ever touched a bag phone, raise your hand. Yeah, you know who you are. Shortly after the bag phone, it became a little more portable, but they were still kind of large. And, and like the, the flip phones were the size of a small Bible, you know, and so you're like, yeah. I worked for a guy. He was also a friend of mine. His name was Mitch Kalmanson. He owned a realty company, and he, 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 was just, he had a lot of property in Lake County. And, and we would always go do stuff, and I worked for him, and he was a buddy of mine. He was a few years older than I was, about 10 years older than me. And, and we were out one day, it was me and, and Mitch and another friend of mine named Lenny, and we happened to be in, in a Sam's Club. They had just really started Sam's Club, and in Sam's Club, you could buy a cell phone, much like you can today, but they were still very expensive, and, and you still had to pay a lot of money. And Mitch knew that I had a shortcoming, and you all may find this hard to believe that I have a shortcoming. I couldn't whistle, and he knew that. He knew I couldn't whistle. And we're in Sam's, we're getting a bunch of stuff for, he played polo, and so we're setting up for an event, and we're buying a bunch of stuff, and we come by these cell phones. Of course, he had, he had a phone in his car, and he had a phone that he carried around, because he, he could. He goes, hey, I'll buy you that cell phone, cover it for two years. Really? I got to pay you back? Nope. What do I got to do? Whistle. Right here, right now. <laughs> Sam's Club, you whistle anything, it's yours. My buddy Lenny, he's like, go ahead, man, do it. I'm like, I tried for 20 minutes to get a whistle, and you'd think that somebody just kept feeding me crackers or something. I couldn't, couldn't whistle to save my life. Lenny's over here going, not me. I learned how to whistle, though. About two years too late. It's an embarrassing story. Not only could I not know how to whistle... But the problem wasn't that he had money and, and lots of it and that I didn't. The problem wasn't even that I needed a cell phone. Uh, the problem, and this is the problem with Envy, it was a heart problem for me. I wasn't at peace with my life situation to the point that it, it really, truly frustrated me that I couldn't put out just a and get a cell phone. I couldn't be happy for my friend who had a cell phone. I could only focus on what I didn't have. You know, Proverbs 14, verse 30 says in the, in the New Testament, in the NIV, it tells us that a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Wow. Envy rots the bones. I, I know you may find it hard to believe that there was a time in my life when I was rotting to the bone because of envy, but it happened. That was just one small fun story about envy. You may recall a few weeks ago, I shared with you Ephesians 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Why? Because like Proverbs says, a heart, <clears throat> a heart at peace gives life to the body. That's why it's important for us to make every effort to be at peace with one another. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Now, not that this is really needed, this next part, but I stumbled upon 
uh, a, a young man. You may have heard some of his thoughts or his writings. His name was uh, Socrates. Um, he elaborates on this truth. He wrote this, Envy is the daughter of pride, the author of murder and revenge, the perpetual tormentor of virtue. Envy is the filthy slime of the soul, a venom, a poison which consumes the flesh and dries up the bones. It rots us like cancer from the inside. First time I read that, I was thinking, tell us how you really feel there, Socrates. Don't hold back. He's seen somewhere in his life envy, and and it was full-blown. Now, you may be thinking it's not that bad. He's just exaggerating things to, to make his point. And I have to disagree with you because Socrates was many things. He was, he was not an exaggerator. He was, he was a great thinker. He was a philosopher. But he wasn't really known for exaggerating. Now, VeggieTales, on the other hand, <laughs> they are exaggerators. They are known for exaggerating. And I have found the perfect video clip to show you exactly what I mean. Now, you have to watch this clip closely because I don't want you to miss anything. And you have to listen well and hear what they're talking about. This is my friend. Her name is Madam Blueberry, and she has an issue with envy. Watch this, and you'll see exactly what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, she is one green with envy blueberry, isn't she? <laughs> she actually has photos of all the stuff her friends have, framed even. I'm sure none of you have framed photos of your friends' and neighbors' silverware or their couches. But you know who you are when I say you're starting to look like Madam Blueberry a little bit. I want to share with you from James uh, chapter 3 in what he calls wisdom from above. James chapter 3, starting with verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is a disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, And good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In verse 17, he lists that wisdom from above for us is pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. I I didn't see envy or jealousy in there as wisdom from above. Do you? Nah. This whole Soul Toxin series is not just a way for us to talk about these things, but I want to share with you how we can move away from them and move closer to God and see the world through His eyes and not ours. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. It's it's fun. We're able to come and and laugh at a clip. But but the reality is, Lord, uh, envy is one of those things that goes unnoticed in our lives by the people around us. And it truly is a sickness. It's something that allows us to compare ourselves with others instead of comparing ourselves against your word and and with your son as as a reflection of us. And and Lord, I pray that you will just open up our hearts and our minds. You will show us how we can get rid of these things, these soul toxins. 
Show us how to, to squelch envy so it doesn't become something that uh, turns to jealousy and, and all these different things. I pray that you'll just be bold in your word today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As, as I move on, I want to share with you a poem. It was written in 1970 by Elva McAllister. But this point still rings true today. It's called Envy Went to Church. It goes like this. Envy went to church this morning. Being legion, he sat in every other pew. Envy fingered the wool and silk fabrics, hung price tags on suits and neckties. Envy paced through the parking lot, scrutinizing chrome and paint. Envy marched to the chancel with the choir during the processional. Envy prodded the plain Jane wives and bright wives married to Miliquetos dullards and kind men married to knife-tongued shrews. Envy thumped at widows and widowers, jabbed and kicked at college girls without escorts, lighted invisible fires inside khaki jackets. Envy conferred often this morning with all of his brothers and sisters. He liked his Sunday scores today, but not enough. Some of his intended clients had sipped an antidote marked grace and wore a holy flower named love. You see, that's, that's what I want to see happen here at the end of it, not, not the first part. I want everyone who comes through our doors to sip on God's grace and his forgiveness and his love. And I want all of us to wear a flower that's named the love of Jesus. This does not need to be a place of bitterness in these walls or where you live. It doesn't need to be a place of envy. We don't need to be like King Saul, like he was toward David. The story starts out good in uh, 1 Samuel 18. Jonathan, King Saul's son, he's, he's binding a friendship with David. And it starts out like this, 1 Samuel verse 18, 1 through 9. Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. Saul took him that day, meaning David, and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword, his bow, and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered. And Saul set set him over the men of war. And it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Verse 6. It happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, with musical instruments. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens, his ten thousands. Then Saul became very angry for this saying, displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. You see, the seed of bitterness took root in Saul's heart that day. I talked about that a little bit last week. And out of it came the fruits of envy. Remember what Socrates said, envy is the daughter of pride, the author of murder and revenge, the perpetual tormentor of virtue. Listen, Saul was a decent king, but his envy 
for the praise that David received turned him into a bitter, vicious man toward David. He was the king. He had everything. All David has was a few people singing about him, being a warrior. And the king couldn't handle it. In my opinion, King Saul forgot just how blessed he really was. You see, if we can't be thankful to God with the life that we have, with what he's given us right here, right now, envy and jealousy will grow in us and destroy the way we see everything around us, including people in our church, at our jobs, extended family. What about you? What about the things that God has given you? Are you grateful for the things that you have, big and small? Because God has put a blessing in front of each one of us. It's easy to let our appetites rove around. It's, it's the American way. Advertising tells us that. You need more. You want more. It's just how we've, we've been trained by our culture. But, but you see, when, when we let our eyes wander, when we start looking for something else, you might as well be chasing after the wind. I love Ecclesiastes 6, 9. It says, What the eyes see is better than what the soul desires. This too is futility and a striving after wind. You see, it's better to enjoy what God has given you than to look around and see whose grass is greener. It's always easy to look for more. Unless you have one of everything, of course. And who does? There's always somebody who has something that you don't. There's always something that theirs may be newer. It may be bigger. It may be better. It may be shinier. But if you're noticing that about what your neighbor has or about what your boss has or about the people around you have, then it means that you're, not, that you're making comparisons. And if we're honest, you're not just making comparisons. You're starting to look like Madame Blueberry. You're getting envious. We do it. We don't want to do it. We say we don't do it, but we do. You know, the Bible tells us rejoice with people who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. It doesn't say be envious of your neighbor's new car or the pool they just put in. That's not what it says. Actually, my opinion here, too, if, if you've been a good neighbor and you're sharing Jesus with them, you're going to get to use the pool anyways. <laughs> All right? It's true. I've had friends all my life. I've known people because of different jobs that I've worked. And, and envy is a fine line. And, and even in ministry, as I worked for other people, I worked for a gentleman who owned his own business. I was a youth minister. And, and I found myself being envious of the things he had. Mitzi even said to me one time, you know, you're not him. You can't go to lunch every day. We can't, you know, you can't go on trips. You can't do these things. So... You have to back it up a little bit. Envy's real. We don't want it to be real. But the only way to get rid of the poison ivy of envy in our lives is to be grateful for what you already have. The only way to counter envy is to count your blessings. You remember Madam Blueberry? The rest of that story, I could only handle one of those clips, just so you know. So I'm going to save you the suffering. She goes to a place called Stuff Mart because she is assured that at Stuff Mart, she can get everything she needs. And she goes on a shopping spree like nobody's business. <laughs> when she leaves Stuff Mart, she realizes that, and the, the, the little peas are just taking the stuff to her house for her, like a delivery service. 
And she's coming out and she sees this line of shopping carts going to her house with all this stuff she's bought. And she sees that her treehouse is starting to tip over because <laughs> it's so full of all this junk that she bought. And she tries to stop the deliveries, but they keep coming. And finally, it's the arrival of a giant air compressor that proves to be just too much for the treehouse. And, it, and it's leaned over so far, the back door opens and every one of her possessions files out and goes into the lake. All right. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, the sudden loss of weight causes the tree to fling back forward. And the house comes flying out of the tree, over the forest and onto the ground where it immediately just disintegrates when it hits the ground. Now, as the story draws to a close, we find Madame Blueberry with her friends, with her butlers and a few other folks that she, she met along the way. And though homeless, Madame Blueberry has learned she's finally happy. And she finally understands that rather than live with envy, a thankful heart is a happy heart. The only way you can combat envy is to be thankful. If you've got family, be thankful. Family trumps house any day. Let me just tell you that. Family trumps house. If you've got friends who love you and care about you, that's better than any speedboat. I know, you may not believe me now, but you will. <laughs> Proverbs fifteen twenty seven says, He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house. Don't bring that on your house. Don't bring that on this house. Don't, don't be greedy for gain. You see, our true worth, it's not what we own or what we wish we owned. You won't find real value in the next iPhone or the newest smart tablet or the, the next video game center that's coming out. You're not going to find it in keeping up with the Joneses. Being envious of what others have really just separates us from God. That's, that's for Christians. That's the worst part about envy. Because it's not just about, ooh, I want that. It's shiny. It's we start to want that more than we want our relationship with God. And envy for us begins to separate us from God. You will never see your true worth if you are continually looking at everyone else with envy colored glasses on. I don't know what color that is for you. I don't know what your envy color is. I don't know what it is that, that you're stuck on. But brothers and sisters, we need to be content with what God has blessed us with. He meets our needs. And he gave us the best gift ever in his son, Jesus Christ. If anything, the world should be envious of us because we know who God is. We shouldn't be envious of the world because shiny things won't get you into heaven. I, I told somebody backstage I was going to have you start teaching us to sing the song, You Can't Get to Heaven, Roller Skates, A Truck, and, you know, all those things. That was not about I didn't do it. But you, most of you know that song, and when you think about it, those things aren't going to get you into heaven. The new house isn't going to get you into heaven. Roller skates, you just roll on past those pearly gates, according to the song. One thing will get you into heaven. It's not envy. It's Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And with that knowledge, we have more than enough. As we come to our response time today, if you've been battling with the poison ivy of envy, I want you to just take this time and begin to weed it out of your life. The elders are here. If you want to pray about what's going on in your life, they'll gladly pray with you. If you want to start fresh with baptism, it's ready. But whatever your response is, my prayer this week has been that Huntsville Christian Church won't be a place of comparison and envy. But like the poem I read earlier, it will be a place where everyone who walks through our doors will sip on God's grace and forgiveness, and all of us will share a flower named the love of Jesus.
Will you stand and sing with us, please?